The Barrage Sports Show. Yo ho, what's up everybody? It is that time again for the Barrage Sports Show. I'm your host, Mike B, and I'm here with my other co-host, Mike Burr. Mike Burr in the building. That's my son, by the way. The super producer April is on the ones and twos. We have a great yep. show. And we have to start off with the Bears. The Bears are two and oh. Can you believe it? Mitch Trubisky has had at least I would say out of the eight quarters, he's had at least five quarters where he looked like the number two pick in the draft. He's been impressive. I know he's had a few little, you know, a few little down quarters, but he's had five great quarters. But here's the big question. We beat the Detroit Pistons, I mean Detroit Lions. Yep. We beat the New York football Giants. Those are honestly two scrubby teams. So are the Bears for real, or is it just that we played two teams worse than us? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's congrats on 2-0. I think it's the first 2-0 start since, like, 2013 or something like that, which is crazy. But, yeah, when I when I watching the Bears and then watching the other teams around the league, we got a lot of work to do. Okay. We had two games against teams that aren't the best in the NFL. They have a lot of holes in them. And they both went down to literally the last play until we got the victory. So if they want to compete with the, the top teams, the Packers, the Bucks, the Saints, these these it's a lot of other teams looking really good right now too. Uh they're they're going to have to play. We've seen it in spurts. But they've been inconsistent on both sides of the ball. They're going to have to play at a high level for all four quarters. Okay. Now, the I looked at the NFL rankings, their power rankings, mm. and they're kind of disrespecting the Bears. Where they at? Number 19. We're 2-0, and but they ranked us 19. Mm. Yeah, I hope, I hope the players see that and get fired up. Because uh, we – like – First half against the Lions weren't good. Second half they turned it on, and then and uh, against the Giants it was the other way. The first half was like, both looked really good, offense and defense, and then second half they didn't even score. So they're gonna have to play consistent. Like I said, if you want to beat these top teams, you're gonna have to bring it all four quarters. Okay, but the Cleveland Browns they're one and one. The Chargers one and one. Both of those teams are ranked over the Bears. So wow, I I really do hope that the Bears use it for fuel to be 2-0, and an undefeated team, and still rank near the bottom tier of the NFL power rankings. Yeah, the Browns, that's just disrespectful. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, that's disrespectful. <laughs> and another story, we had one of our fans, real quick, just to kind of step off the Bears, um, one, of our, one of our subscribers, uh, Michael Walker, really cool guy, he had a request. So we love to honor... Our our fans, we call them winners. We call our subscribers winners. So we had a winner, Mike Dub. He wanted to talk about the Raiders. Mm. The Las Vegas Raiders are two and zero. Yep, big impressive victory over the Panthers in Week One. They beat the Saints in Week Two. Yeah. So the Raiders have been impressive. Chucky, their coach, one of the highest paid coaches in NFL history. He seems he like he's paid. rounding them out now. Yeah, the, uh, you know, his career started off. Of course, they traded all the big superstars, but he got a lot of picks, a lot of draft capital. 
And it uh, looks like he drafted some pretty good players. Uh, Jacobs is a beast. He got a lot of good players to fill out that defense. Um, and remember, Derek Carr, he was, I think he finished second in MVP one season. So he definitely has it in him. Uh, and he he looked pretty good. They convincingly beat the Saints. It wasn't like a fluky win. They, they, had, they were in control for most of that game. But my thing about the Raiders, they look good now. But... Of course, due to everything that's going on, Vegas isn't what it normally is. True. My question is, if they get off to a 6-1 and one start, 8-2, and two, let, let's say they start hot, and things are projected to start opening back up at the end of the year, how is it going to be when the, the strip is open and, and busting again? How is it going to be when they win a game and the club owners and promoters are hitting them up saying, hey, we got a table for you guys? Because everybody loves a winner. Everybody loves a winner. And out of all the places to get distracted, <laughs> Vegas is, yeah. is the spot. That's been a concern about having a team there. So I want to see, they're playing great right now. I want to see, is that going to affect them when Vegas is the city, the Sin City, as, as it's called again? You know what? If it's one team, I think can handle it because it fits their persona. Mm. They've won multiple Super Bowls, and they always are known as the bad boys. Remember, remember when the Detroit Pistons were the bad boys in basketball? Yep. They wore Raiders gear. Mm. Remember when the the first major gangster rap group came out, NWA? They wore Raiders gear. Mm. So for Raider fans, it actually fits their persona to be at the club and boxing and <laughs> buck wilding. So I don't think it's going to hurt the franchise. I think that's, for the Raiders, I think, and Raider Nation, I think that's going back to the essence. And they've yeah. been like that in the past, and they've won a Super Bowl in almost every decade. Yeah, that that is definitely their brand. Yeah. Uh, I just hope, you know, you don't have too many players playing with hangovers or, <laughs> or getting suspended, <laughs> you know. That's what Raiders do. And we're we going to see how it, how it plays out. It's going to be exciting. They they definitely are an excited team. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's always fun when the Raiders are in the mix. They're one of those yeah. teams. When the Raiders are good, the NFL is popping, man, because they're just so, they're so fun. They're always controversial. Something always crazy happens in the playoffs. So, yep. yeah, it's good stuff. We gotta we gotta talk about the big story. Um, I know you're really excited about this, but a really historic move: Deion Sanders, wow, head coach of Jackson State. How do you feel about that, man? For an HBCU to get arguably the greatest football player of all time, if you look at a lot of lists for the greatest football player of all time. Dion is on the top of a lot of people's list. He's definitely top five. And for him, with all his money, all his fame, to honor Jackson State University by going there. And again, he's not doing them a favor because they are a prestigious university. Um, HBCUs were there for people, not just African-Americans, but there for people since their inception, especially a great university like Jackson State, for Dion to go there, I think, is monumental. Because sometimes the HBCUs, just because of money, not because of the quality of education, not because of the ability to get a job, but because of money and those TV contracts, sometimes they're overlooked. 
And it's great that the brightest star and one of the brightest stars in NFL history is now going there to coach. I think that's wonderful. I know those students are going to be rocking. The Sonic Boom, the name of that band, they're going to be rocking. It's, you know, it's going to just elevate the mentality and the 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 exposure and the the prestige of the entire university. And I can say this too. Now, my two favorite football players of all time, Sweetness, Walter Payton. Yep. And now Dion associated with Jackson State University. What wow. a great thing. What a great it's wonderful, man. Wonderful to see in here. Yeah, it really is. I think we're witnessing the very beginning of a new era. And I think Dion is the the perfect person to kind of change the culture and change the perception of the HBCU sports programs. Uh for you know, hundreds of years they've been providing quality education and opportunities. Um, but now having Deion Sanders there, you know, kids that maybe could go to Alabama, can go to Stanford or Michigan State, they may say, hey, I could, you know, maybe go to one of these schools, get red shirted or maybe be a rotation guy, might maybe get a starter, maybe go to the NFL or I can go to Jackson State right now. I could be a superstar. I could learn from, like you said, arguably the greatest player of all time and and like he said in uh, his speech that we watched, his coaching staff has nearly 100 years of NFL experience. Yes. Yeah. So they have connections with the NFL. He can really get that pipeline. Well, really widen that pipeline because there's been plenty of Hall of Fame players from HBCUs that have you know done great things in the NFL. Oh, yeah. So now he can widen that pipeline and really send so many players to the league and and really bring a spotlight to HBCUs, get them better TV contracts, and really it, it's going to change not just Jackson State's program, but I think all the HBCUs are going to elevate from this move. I think so too. And you know, sometimes it's better to be a big fish in a smaller pond mm. than a small fish in a bigger pond. And what I mean by that, when you look at the Alabamas, the LSU's, the Notre Dame's, they might recruit four or five of the top running backs, you know, in one class. Yeah. And so there's a lot of talent just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they can't play. It's because a lot of those institutions are greedy. And they're very self-serving. And I'm not, I'm not making them all out to be villains, but I'm just saying they have a lot and they want even more. Yep. So you might have a guy, he's a good quality running back, a good quality receiver, a good quality defensive end. But because he has two or three people in front of him, he might not even play that much. Mm-hmm. Where if he came to a smaller school, a mid-major, a Jackson State University, you can be on the field, and now you're getting coached by a great coach like Dion. And there's other great coaches at HBCUs before Dion got there, and to get a better opportunity to not only play, but to get to the NFL or get to some sort of professional sport and then you could build those memories you were on the field you weren't at Alabama for four years just holding a clipboard and just wearing a jersey walking around when you are when you're a much more talented kid than that Mm -hmm. so I think that's going to be a great too so shout out to Jackson State University we love HBCUs in this house um, especially my HBCU Langston University shout out to the Lions but uh yeah it's a wonderful thing man yeah it it really is I think I think it's going. It's a very positive move, and it's the first of uh, me to come. And you know what, man? I'll, I'll say this before we get off this this segment. Um, f- my top five players that I've seen with my own eyes, 
three of them are from HBCUs. Mm. I think Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver I've ever oh, seen. No, no question. Mississippi Valley State. Yeah. Dion is definitely the best defensive back of all time. Yep. And then sweetness, Walter Payton. That's three of, of my five top. The other two is probably Brady mm-hmm. and Lawrence Taylor. So yeah. those are five players I saw with my own eyes, and three of them came from HBCUs. So shout out to HBCUs. Shout out to Dion. Um, I want we kind of bouncing all around, which is great. Cause so I cause I want to bounce to something, it just popped in my head. Mm. Billy Donovan, the former coach of the Florida Gators. He won two national championships with them. Yep. Um, the five, six-year coach with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I thought he did had his best coaching year last year. Yeah. I didn't think the Thunder would let him go. I mean, that team overachieved. You know, after losing Westbrook, losing Durant, CP3 and a bunch of young guys did great, got to the second round of the playoffs, um, is now the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, it's definitely an upgrade. Um, I think, you know, like you said, he won two national championships with Florida. Uh, He won over 40 wins uh, each year with OKC in his uh, five seasons there. I mean, he did have a bunch of talent, you know, KD the first year, and then he still had Westbrook, and he still had CP3 and and all the players they had last year. Uh, but he, he's a he's a solid coach. I think he's definitely a better coach than uh, Boylan. Um, not the guy I wanted. I, I wanted to see maybe Ty Lue, Mark Jackson, somebody with that was a player and somebody you know with some more experience uh, in that in that aspect. But I do think it's a, definitely an upgrade, and uh, I'm excited to see what else the front office does. I think they're really uh, trying to bring some winning seasons to the Bulls. You know. And I'm not. I don't want to hate on Billy Donovan, but I, and and he has some accomplishment. Don't get me wrong, but man, I'm still hashtag Scottie Pippen. I would have loved to bring back yeah. the one of the Bulls from the golden era, and I mean one of the top Bulls to coach that team. Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong. Why not? What do we have to lose? Yeah, it's not. That's the thing about it. It's not a. It doesn't make you excited as a fan. It's like this could go great or it could not. You know, it's not a. It's not a splashy pick. It's not a pick that makes you say, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be great." You know, it's just like we'll see what happens. Yeah, and and my thing is this: after Michael Jordan, our most accomplished player is Scottie Pippen. Yeah. Why isn't he more involved and more entrenched in the organization? We let the GOAT, Michael Jordan, get away. And he's not involved with the organization anymore, which that's okay because Mike went on to own his own franchise. You can't beat that. Mm-hmm. But now, how come Scottie Pippen is walking around as a GM? Yeah. Or as a coach or as head of basketball operations. How come Horace Grant doesn't have a job there? Like, how come we aren't like the Lakers, like Boston, teams that are perennial winners, and maybe their secret is, it's obvious no one else does it, though. They always bring their talent back. Yeah. And it's just they build upon their own legacies that they create. The Bulls have done the exact opposite. They're pushing a lot of the top stars away. I mean, they brought Paxton back. And they kind of, oh, he was there too long. Um, They, you know, hired Randy Brown and a few other guys. And don't get me wrong, those are all good guys. But some of the top guys, they just totally ignore. You wouldn't even think they played for the Bulls. Mm. You know, Ron Harper, 
You know, just a lot of great guys that should be a part of that organization. And we build upon what we did in the 90s being one of the best dynasties in basketball history. I just don't understand it. Yeah. uh, You know, hopefully this is a new era, you know, now that they've made the front office change. Um, But, yeah, they should definitely get, you know, guys like Scotty and, and the Rodmans and, you know, those guys involved that won rings and did great things for the organization uh, just to show the young players how to win. And, and you know, they could really teach them a lot because they did great things in the league. Yeah, cool coach. Why? How come cool coach? Why Why is Steve Kerr coaching at Golden State? Yeah. Steve Kerr should be should be the Bulls coach. I mean, I'm just saying it just doesn't make any sense to me. But, hey, that's the Bulls, you know. But we're rooting for him. We hope Benny Do- Billy Donovan does well. But it's been hard, man. Since since Derrick Rose went down, they have been really tough to watch. Yeah. You know, and we're Bulls fans. We're going to be Bulls fans. But they're really tough to watch. They're, they've been a tough watch. And they got some young talent. They got some young talent. But now you want to be watchable. Yeah. You know, not just always saying we got some young talent. We want to actually watch and enjoy some games and have a little more fun. But we're still Bulls fans. We always will be. Yep. Uh, so the current NBA, we got to talk about the playoffs. We uh, Let's start with the, the Heat and Celtics. Oh, wow. Great. He didn't start with the Lakers. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going we gonna to get to that. Yeah, I we, know. I mean, that series is basically over. Let's be, let's be serious. But uh, you got the Heat. One, first two games. Very close games, both of them. But then the Celtics came back game three and pretty convincingly won game three. What did, what did you see out there in this series? Uh, Kimba. Kimba got more involved. Mm. Um, and they just, it seems like they, they kind of solved Miami a little bit. They got more of a rhythm. I think Miami had them a little puzzled the first two games because mm-hmm. they throw that zone at you. You know, they're very aggressive on defense. You kind of don't know who to stick on Miami because everybody gets buckets. They're very level across the board in terms of their scoring and who's going to take shots. And you don't know who's going to be the man for the night. And I think those first two games, Boston just had to kind of catch their bearings. They they played well in those first two games. But in game three, it looked like they were a lot more comfortable. It looked, it looked like they had a little more of a, of a game plan. And the big key was Kimba got more aggressive. Mm. He realized they're going to have to get a little more out of him to beat Miami because Miami is such a good balanced team. Kimba was a lot more aggressive, pushing the tempo, um, getting everybody involved. And that's what it's going to take. He's such a team player, but he has takeover ability like a Kyrie or Steph, like other small guards of that ilk. And I think he's going to have to do it. There's no, no sense of waiting. He's going to have to put the pedal to the metal. And I think that was the big adjustment that they made, mostly other than just being comfortable as a team, Kimba. Yeah. Yeah, Kimba definitely uh, was more aggressive, more assertive game three. But I think you're overlooking one key factor. Yeah. It's no coincidence that game three, the game Gordon Hayward came back from his injury, Yeah, is the game they won. True. I think Gordon Hayward played 30 minutes. He didn't put up a lot of numbers, but he basically took Wanamaker's role. Well, he got his role back from Wanamaker, and he's he's so much more versatile because he's you know six seven long, so you could switch better on defense. He can guard anybody on the Heat from one through four. 
Uh, when they play small, now you still got that six seven guy. Now Kimba's pretty much the only small guy that that plays a lot of minutes. Um, and he just he he spreads the court out. He's a great mid range three point shooter. And what I like from Hayward and why I think he's the X factor for the rest of this series, what he did in Game Three, he said, "Okay, I'm gonna let hey I'm gonna let uh, Tatum hoop. I'm gonna let Brown hoop. I'm gonna let Kimba hoop. I'll just fit in when I can." Mm-hmm. Even let Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is uh, is the fourth option now. Yeah, he is. And he took the back seat, which I think is the key. As long as Gordon Hayward does that and just plays like a veteran, makes smart plays, plays defense, and it'll be moments for him to drop 20 when he when he needs to. But as long as he's lets the other guys do their thing and just fills in and and accepts his role as a role player, and doesn't try to force himself back into the second, third option, I think they're going to win this series. Whoa. Whoa. Wait a minute. You have Miami at first. I, I I still got Miami. I'm not switching my pick. You know, I don't, I don't go back on my word. But I'm just saying, he's the X factor. I think it's all on Gordon Hayward's shoulders. If if he says, no, nah, I'm I'm back in the rotation. I want, I want 20 shots a night. They're going to lose. But if he keeps taking that backseat, let's... Okay, this is Tatum's team now. Then it's Jalen Brown. Then it's Kimba. Then it's Marcus Smart. Then I'll just get when I can. Or if somebody's having an off night, then I'll step up. As long as he does that, they're, they're going to have an advantage. Because I do think their, their best four players are better than the Heat's best four players. Wow. Yeah, on paper. But as a team, boy, those Miami Heat players play so well together. But I yeah. feel you on that. Gordon Hayward was excellent out there. Like you say, everything didn't show up on the stat sheets. But to have a player like that be inserted into the playoffs is huge. Yeah. And I love this. I love this series, man. The bubble has been great. Mm. And I love Miami-Boston because they're so well coached. They play such great basketball. They play within themselves. Yeah. They're very exciting to watch, man. It's been great. Now I have to do this. It pains me to do this. We have to talk about the Lakers, your yeah. team. <laughs> the antithesis of the Clippers. Man, talk to me. I just I got to let you start, man. That's your team. We were watching the game. You saw how it ended. I got to let you just flow on that for a minute. Well, I have a couple things to say. <laughs> of course. Of course you do. Well, one, the Lakers are going to win the championship. I'm not, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody at this point. They, Frank Vogel, I think, should have won Coach of the Year. LeBron should have won MVP. Mm. AD should have won Defensive Player of the Year. But, you know, that's hindsight. Hindsight 2020. But the Lakers are going to win the championship because they had the two best players in the league. And right now, AD is the best player on the court. And LeBron, for his first time in his career, is the second best player on his team. I would have to agree, and I thought I would never say that. For this series, AD is is really balling. He's balling out. He's taking over. And when LeBron LeBron said that coming into the season, he said, I'm, I'm going to be the second option. I'm going to let AD be the first option. And a lot of people said, no, that, that's not going to be true. He's just saying that for chemistry. But now you're seeing it. AD is dominating both sides of the court. Right now he's dropping 35 a night. LeBron's only dropping 20. When in the series has LeBron been up 2-0 and looked like the favorite in the series and he's not 
leading the team in all statistical categories. True. Plus it's, driving the bus. Yeah, and and really in game two, LeBron had a pretty bad second half. Yeah. But that gets overshadowed because AD just took that game over, obviously with the one of the best game winners we've seen over Jokic. Uh, and AD, AD's really dominant. He's really, I think he has a chip on his shoulder. He's, he's heard the chatter. People saying, oh, he can't get it done in the postseason. He's showing you, hey, it wasn't me. It was my team. And now that I have a squad, we're going to win a championship. Yeah, man. And, you know, hey, we're, we're a podcast from Chicago, so we got to give him some love straight out of the shy. And um, the Joker, too, man. He's a hooper. The way he balled in that game, most teams would have lost. Jamal Murray hit some big shots. And AD just would not let him lose, man. Mm. Every time the Joker was made some moves and scored some buckets to put him away, and again, most teams would have been put away. That's how they did the Clippers. The Lakers didn't, they didn't fall, man. You saw that veteran experience from Rondo and LeBron and Danny Green and of course uh AD. They just didn't, they didn't, they didn't fall. They didn't yeah. choke under the pressure. They just kept coming right back. It really wasn't their game. If you watch the game, more more of the flow of the game, especially in the fourth quarter, seemed to favor the Denver Nuggets. But the Lakers, just because of that experience and having, like you said, the two best players in the NBA right now, they pulled that game off. It was miraculous. Yeah. It, yeah, and it, and that, that's the thing. I think once the Clippers were out, that because I think matchup-wise, they would have stepped up if they got to the Lakers, especially if they made it out that game seven. I think it would have re-energized them. Um, I just think the Nuggets, matchup-wise, they, they really don't have an answer for AD. Uh, they really don't have an answer for LeBron when he when he turns it on, and yeah, and I, I like I said, I think uh, don't overshadow Frank Vogel. I think he's making excellent coaching choices behind the scenes, uh, and and I think why he should be coach of the year is because he's not coaching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll explain that Frank Vogel should be coach of the year because he's not coaching. He think about it. You got LeBron James. Yep. Probably the highest basketball IQ of all time, arguably the GOAT. You got Ray John Rondo, one of the highest basketball IQs of all time. Playoff Rondo is awesome. You got Dwight Howard, three time defensive player of the year. You got Danny Green, won championships. You got uh, uh, AD, you know. What is he going to tell them that they don't know? That's a good point. <laughs> and I think by he's, he's letting the players kind of run things. Hey, LeBron, what play you want to call? But one thing he does do, you're not going to get on the court if you don't play defense. True. And that's the sign of a great coach. He made it clear early on, the players that's going to play. You know, people ask, why is Caruso playing so much? Why is Danny Green? Why is KCP playing so much? That's because, you know, on defense, they're going to lock people up. They're going to hustle, get steals, make those hustle plays. So you can you can deal with them when they're on their cold streaks. True. So... I think he's doing a great job, and like you know, you saw the adjustment in the Rocket series. He went small. That was real. That that impressed me, man. I think that made Frank Vogel the official Lakers coach. He wasn't just a figurehead there because they needed somebody to babysit LeBron. I think that put a stamp on him by sitting down Javale McGee, sitting down Dwight Howard, and say, "Okay, let's go a little bit smaller because we lost Game One, and and take it to these boys." Yeah, and then now in this series, 
JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, they're still not playing a ton of minutes, but they're playing some of the most impactful minutes for the team. Yeah. You know, like I said, people forget Dwight was a three-time defensive player of the year. Oh, man, he's going to the Hall of Fame. And he is he is really bothering Jokic when he's in the game. You know, he and because he is just a role player, he could use all six of his fouls. He can get a tech if he needs to. And, you know, he's really bothering him down there. And so is uh, when you have to deal with JaVale McGee, great defender, Dwight Howard, three-time defensive player of the year, AD should have been defensive player of the year. It's bothering him. Same thing with Jamal Murray. He has to deal with KCP, Danny Green, Caruso. These guys are hustling. They're fresh. And then and then you have to try to guard AD and LeBron on the other end. And, uh, you know, they're not – it's a tough series for them. And, but they're competing. And I still think they're going to take a couple games because they, they play hard and they're not scared at all. Yeah, man. And I, I want to say this, man. If Denver doesn't win this series, which probably is more likely they won't, but who knows? They've been the little engine that could in this, these playoffs. They've been down 3-1 twice and came back and won the series. Um, I think the future is bright. Yeah. If they build on what they have, um, I think in the next two or three seasons, once they learn how to win, you know, a series like this, if they lose to the Lakers, which is my, it's a high probability, they'll have to learn how to win. And I think once they learn how to win, they're going to cause people problems because the Joker is real and mm-hmm. he ain't little. He big. And Jamal Murray is much better than a lot of people thought he was. I think now he's hit the groove and he's kind of turned the corner to be the player that he was drafted to be. I think they have the building blocks with those two guys to build a championship caliber team in the next two, three seasons, but they're just going to have to know how to win. And we know in the West that won't be easy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And like I said, even if they lose to the Lakers, which this series isn't over yet, but even if they do, you, you got to look at this season as a huge success. Made history with the two uh, down 3-1 comebacks. Beat, upset the Clippers, who many people thought were going to win the championship. And and like you said, they're still young. Jokic is playing great, but he's probably not even in his prime yet. We probably haven't even seen his best basketball. I think Jamal Murray, he's still learning the game, too. He's going to be even better. Michael so. Porter Jr., well, he's still a rookie, right? Yeah, he's a rookie. Yeah, yeah. He, or, or might be in his second year. I know he got hurt, so I don't know if they call it, consider his rookie or his second year. Yeah, so he he has a ton of potential. He's he could be that. He already is the third option, but he could be even better. So yeah, they 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 have a solid young core. They're not scared of anybody, and those are two things that you could be hopeful about in the future. I think so. I agree. And let me hit you with a little NFL. We're going to, like I say, we just flowing tonight. We we going, we just doing sports. The Baltimore Ravens mm. rank one in the NFL power rankings. And I want you to see if you can notice a theme here. Kansas City Chiefs, they're 2-0. Yep. Rank two. Green Bay Packers, 2-0, rank three. Mm. Pittsburgh Steelers, 2-0, rank four. Seattle Seahawks, 2-0, rank five. Mm. There's a little common theme here. Mm. We talking about some quarterbacks. Old, young, modern day style of play, sit in the pocket play. And they're just flat out balling out. I know it's early, but I love the fact that sitting at the top of the pile is probably four or five of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. 
Talk to me about that. What's going on in the NFL with these QBs and how's this thing going to shake out over time, man? Yeah, and like we're we're still early in the season, you know. Uh, you know, it's only week 2, about to go into week 3. But yeah, like you said, those are five of the best quarterbacks we have in the league. Um, and you know, you got the two young guys paving the way with Lamar and and Mahomes. Uh, but then you still got faces we've seen for a while, and Russell Wilson and and Rodgers and Roethlisberger. And uh, I think, you know, the, the NFL is so crazy, it's hard to make predictions this early, you know, because the season can change in a, in a week, you know. But one one trend I am noticing overall with a lot of these teams that are coming up is the the age of the pocket passer is slowly going away. Mm. Now, you still have, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Roethlisberger. You still got Brady, Breeze. But you're seeing more Lamar Jacksons, more Mahomes. You're seeing more, uh, and then guys that have been around for a while, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson. You're seeing Deshaun Watson, even guys like Mitch Trubisky, uh, even uh, the Bills quarterback, can't think of his name right now. Yeah. Um, guys like Kyler Murray, these guys that are dual threats that can make plays. Talk about Josh Allen. Josh yes. Allen, he's he's a dual threat as well. Yeah. And guys that can make plays with their arm, but if nobody's open, or they can even have design runs to where they can make plays on their feet, pick up that clutch first down, and and really make big plays. So uh, this it's becoming more and more valuable in the league where the older guys is less of those just traditional pocket passers. And the new guys coming in are these dual threats that that can really hurt you in many ways. I agree. Let me ask you a question. You have Lamar Jackson. You have Patrick Mahomes, mm. two of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the league. If you flip-flop teams, mm. if Lamar Jackson was on the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes was on the Baltimore Ravens, who would be the better quarterback? Like, who do you think is the better quarterback now? I mean, Lamar Mahomes. Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Okay. <laughs> Mahomes, yeah. So you say Mahomes. Most people would probably vote Mahomes. But if you flip-flop teams, you put Lamar Jackson on the Chiefs. Mm. You put Mahomes on the Ravens. Then what's the answer to that question? Is Mahomes, does he have an advantage over Lamar Jackson just because he's with the Chiefs? Mm. Or do you think he's just a better quarterback? I, I do think Mahomes is the better QB. Um, but Lamar, Lamar is special too. There's no disrespect to Lamar. He he's a one of a kind generational talent as well. Um, it's hard to say. I think they would both not be as good because I I do think both organizations have really built the team around their quarterbacks really well. Okay. Um, you know Mahomes, he has those speedy guys because he has that big arm. He could throw at eighty yards and they can run and get it. And, and uh, you know, so they have – they really built the team around what he can do in his skill set. And then Lamar Jackson, he's he's better with his feet. And he's, he still has a big arm. He's he getting better every year. But they really built their team more for that, more of that hard-nosed, run-the-football, short-passing game type of style. So I think if you switched them, they would both not look the same because – I think their systems are so good for what they do. Their, their coaches have done a great job in there. Their GMs have done a great job doing that. 
But I, I would still say Mahomes will probably still have an edge. I just think he's like, you know, I think he's one of a kind okay. as well. But so is Lamar Jackson. They, I mean, they're both probably the best two quarterbacks in the league right now. Let me ask you this. Who you th- who do you think has had a better career so far? Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? Mm. Yeah, they what they they both have one ring, right? Both have a ring. Then who has more MVPs? Rodgers? Yeah, I don't know if Russell has Russell ever been an MVP? I, I don't think so. I know Rodgers has been an MVP. But just using the eye test, not even going off stats. Eye test. Ooh. If you just were picking, because we don't want to make this show all statistics and analytical. I mean, we can do that. We're going to do that some episodes. But this is a episode, like I said, we're all over the place. We're just flowing. Just on the eye test, just on what you've seen, just on what they've accomplished. If you were picking a quarterback right now, based on their ages, where they are in their careers, who would you want, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? Hmm. That's that's a tough pick, but Russell Wilson. And why would you want Russell Wilson? Because Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> that's the greatest answer of all time for a Bear fan, <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers played for the Packers. And and also and also Russell Wilson is a dual threat as well. Yeah, and, uh, like Rodgers were, can run too, though. Yeah, he can. He can run. He's he's a surpriser. He'll surprise you every once in a while. But Russell's more consistent. And uh, like you were uh, talking about last week, he he's probably the smartest running quarterback ever. Yeah, he knows how to get down, get out of bounds, to so get the first down, and and not get hit. Um, and I also like Russell Wilson his leadership abilities as well. You know, it's been times where Aaron Rodgers has been questionable in that aspect, where Russell Wilson has never been a question. Great leader on and off the field. So, and also he. Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers. So because of all those reasons, I'll I go with Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I think the biggest point you made was because he plays for the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> Super producer April, what's up? You've been quiet today sitting over there just kind of analyzing the world of sports. Hit us with what you got. Well, in the spirit of talking about the Chicago Bears and HBCU football greatness, Tariq Cohen from none from none other than the illustrious North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. Yep. Signed a 3-year, 17.2 million dollar extension with the Bears. Wow. Tariq got his money. And he's a fan favorite, man. Let's be honest. He's a likable guy, very versatile. I think the future is bright. But why are you so high cuz he we you know went to North Carolina A&T University. I'm a proud graduate of that great institution. Oh, okay. All right. I guess that's an HBCU too there, guys. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I love this move by the Bears. Um, like you say, he's a fan favorite, exciting player. One of those guys that could pretty much do anything in offense on special teams. And he's just one of those guys. He should just be a lifelong Bear, you know? Yeah. They they did a great job scouting. I was really excited when they drafted him. Oh, why why were you excited? Oh, I, also, I also went to A&T and... Uh, yeah, I saw him play live a bunch of times. And uh, if you think what he's doing in the NFL special, you should have saw him in college. He was amazing. Um, won multiple championships for the school with putting the team on his back. And, yeah, he's just one of those guys that should be a lifelong bear. You know, you can always keep him around, always use him, uh, you know, in many different ways. And, yeah, it was good to see him sticking with the team. It's a feel-good story. Another HBCU grad getting that paper. 
Devontae Freeman signs a one-year, $3 million deal with the New York Giants after Saquon Barkley. Unfortunately, he's out for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. season due to a torn ACL. Wow. The Giants just can't catch a break. Yeah. Then we have, switching over to NASCAR, Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin are starting a new single-car NASCAR Cup Series team. And none other than Bubba Wallace is their driver. Wow. Michael Jordan is about that paper, man. You know, and he gets criticized. People say he doesn't speak up enough. He doesn't give back to the community. I beg to differ. Michael Jordan is a job creator. I've been to a Charlotte Hornet game. We've been. Uh, we know some of the things he's done in Chicago. We know about the uh, – he has some health care uh, facility that's, that he's built. He's given to a lot of great causes. Like I remember when Brother Rice was in trouble, he gave him some money. You got the James Jordan Center. Mike gives back, but he's not a talker. Yeah. But he's a job creator. A lot of people are working. A lot of people are paying bills. A lot of people are taking care of their kids because of Michael Jordan and his ability to create wealth. Again, I know he's criticized sometimes because he doesn't speak up about social justice issues enough, but at least he is creating a lot of jobs and a lot of peripheral businesses. Um, A lot of people in the shoe game and a lot of things that surround it, industries that Michael Jordan helped propel are making money. A lot of people in the NBA, mostly African-American men, are making a lot more money because of Michael Jordan. He signs a lot of guys to his Jordan brand. So shout out to Michael Jordan once again, creating wealth, thinking outside the box. Yep. That's all I have. All right. April, the super producer, coming up with all the great stats. You know, we're so glad that you guys tune into our podcast because we love sports. We love talking about a lot of different things. We're on every major platform. So definitely check us out, subscribe, be a part of it, share with a friend. Um, and we call all our subscribers winners. Shout out to Mike W. with a question. Mike Burr, keep hitting us with what you got. So I have a question. Sure. Uh, this weekend, what was the, the biggest head scratcher? The mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons onside non-recovery or Miles or Mason Plumley calling for the switch on a pick that wasn't there. I got to say the Atlanta Falcons mm. because with Mason Plumley, and I'll tell you why, that's an in the moment thing. He's 6'10, 6, 6'11. 6, mm. He's not used to guarding the perimeter anyway. You got King James down on the post. He was just kind of, he kind of got caught in no man's land. Um, and they kind of, tricked him with the play. Everybody thought Brown was going to get the ball. AD came around and Rondo threw a great pass to get the score. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, that's just fundamentals. Yeah, You're a pro team. There's an onside. Whether you think it's a penalty or not, whether you think it's the right thing to do or not, you learn in bitty ball, fall on the ball. And they were just sitting around making a circle around it. And so you just can't have that type of mental error. It, in that situation again it just it's just something you sh- shouldn't see a pro team do and it kind of goes with the narrative of the Atlanta Falcons they can lose so many games so many different ways that they have won so I gotta go with the Falcons on that yeah I'll, I'll have to agree with you I've I've never seen that before 
at any level of football. Like they, it was like three or four guys that could have just fell on the ball, ended yep. the game, and they just let it roll. They let the Cowboys surround it. I was like, I didn't know what was going on, and then they, they obviously we know what happened at the end. Um, but yeah, Plumley, he just he just wasn't used to being out on the perimeter. Yeah, you know, so it, it could happen. And uh, I feel like AD was just feeling it. I don't, I don't, even if Plumley would have stayed with him, he made it. He probably would have made the shot over him. So uh, yeah, I think the Falcons uh, were being the Falcons again. And yeah, and see, here's the thing: and a two would have beat them. They didn't need a three. They only yeah. needed one point. So of course. Um, Denver's going to be more guarded to not give up a two. A two is usually an easier bucket. Right. The three kind of caught him off guard with that as well because a two can beat you. So they can't let LeBron or somebody get a ball near the basket. He steps out, drops a big three. He drained it. There's nothing you could do. That's just one of those ones where the offense was just better than the defense. Goodbye. You go home. All you could do is tip your hat and say, hey, we just lost. Yeah, because you, yeah, you definitely don't want to like lose on a lob or, you know, that's just embarrassing. So Exactly. Yeah, AD hit a great shot, you know. Yeah, it was bottom up. And, boy, you should have saw that smile on Mike Burr's face, boy, <laughs> when I think it was one of that game. Yeah, so, hey, man, we've had a great podcast. Super producer April, you got anything else? All right. Shout out once again to Deion Sanders, Jackson State University. I know they're going to be rocking. Sonic Boom, they've always had a great band. Yep. HBCUs are great academic institutions, North Carolina and T State University. That's where April T. Super producer Mike Bird went. I'm a very proud graduate of the greatest HBCU in the history of the world, Langston University. And Mama B. My beautiful wife is a graduate as well, so shout out to all the HBCU grads. And if you didn't go to HBCU, whether you learned a trade, or whether you out there as an entrepreneur, whether you went to a, a, a another university or, or junior college, whatever you've done in life, feel happy, feel good, and we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please tell a friend, please subscribe, please hit the like button, hit some comments, and you got anything else, guys? That's it. Well, you know how we do it. Mike Burr, drop the beat.